This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Ladies and gentlemen, the President of the United States of America. Richard Blanco uh, returned to a poem he wrote from the second inaugural of Barack and Me. A poem, one today, says, And always one moon like a silent drum tapping at every rooftop and every window on every, in, of every county, country. Let me start this over again. I'm getting so intimidated by being here. <laughs> and always one moon like a silent drum tapping on every rooftop and every window of one country, county. This has been the President of the United States of America. May God have mercy on our souls. Stu does America. I feel like uh, Uncle Joe left us with a cliffhanger there. Was it country or was it county? I don't know what it was supposed to be. Just so you know, I can feel comfortable. This is the sort of material bring to you on a daily basis. Uh, It was uh, country. That's the right one, not county. Why would it be county? <laughs> You're talking about a president of the United States. Why would it be county? Wouldn't that be weird? <laughs> yeah, it really affected that one county. All the other ones, they're on fire, but that one county did pretty well. All right, go to studosmerch.com. Use the promo code STU10. Save yourself 10%. If you're watching on YouTube, you know what to do by now. Come on, like the video, subscribe to the channel, hit the bell for notifications, do all the things. We appreciate it. Jason Buttrell is going to be here to talk about why the media's Trump arrest obsession is just a big distraction. We have some new poll numbers for the DeSantis-Trump thing going on, and we will dive into those. But we start by doing the AI paradox. Yes, we are here. This is it. AI is the only thing that's going to affect your life for the next, like, 100 years. So be prepared. How do we know the AI revolution is really, really here? There's only one way to really confirm it, uh, and it's through science, of course. Um, They did a South Park episode about it. I was just grading these stupid papers all the time. I have to read them all and comment on each one of them. Something's changed, and now a few of the kids are writing these really long, detailed essays. Have you ever heard of ChatGPT? There's a few apps now, really. But see, it has AI and takes any subject matter and can instantly give you whatever kind of content you want. There's an app that anyone can use that does all the thinking and writing for you? Yeah. Well, this is going to be amazing. I can use it to grade all my papers and no one will ever know. (laughs) So you've got the kids writing their essays with ChatGPT and the teacher using ChatGPT to grade the essays. What could possibly go wrong? I mean... The idiocracy thing is definitely coming, right? Like, we're def- that's definitely our future. That's totally a thing, right? We've now completely confirmed it. So, look for that in the future. Uh, I've been, I want to go through some of the newest developments, and it's hard, honestly, to even keep up with the pace of these developments with AI right now. A friend of mine uh, texted me today, and he was texting me some crazy update with chat GPT or one of these AI things, and he's like, remember, that we're eight weeks into this. <laughs> this became a thing like eight weeks ago, and so much has happened so far. It may not be hitting you in overt ways yet, 
but we are getting very close as they're starting to put this stuff in all the programs that you might use on your computer every day. Every internet site you go to, it's all coming very, very fast. I want to give you uh, one of the ways this is coming. Microsoft has released something called Copilot 365. Now, first of all, a huge missed opportunity by Microsoft to not bring back Clippy, the helpful paperclip that sat on the corner of Microsoft Word and would tell you little tips. Why not give that thing AI power and bring it back? People loved or despised Clippy. One of the two, they felt strongly about Clippy. Why not bring him back? But they did not bring Clippy back. Instead, they're going to have ChatGPT or GPT-4 fuel a Microsoft product uh, that you might use on a daily basis, whether it's Excel or a PowerPoint or Word or whatever it is. Now, I want to kind of give you a little uh, preview of how they, they introduce this to the average person. People are like, I don't know, do I want to use AI? How is this going to help me? And it's one of these things. The AI paradox is a good title for today's show because you really look at both sides of this and you can see how helpful it will probably be. And so many good things will probably come out of it. And you'll probably want to use it for all sorts of different reasons. And then there's a lot of weirdness on the other side. Here's how they introduced uh, this new pro program, Microsoft Copilot 365, or what they should have named Clippy. My daughter recently graduated from high school, so this is really top of mind for me. Let's say I want to throw her an amazing graduation party. To start, I need to send an invitation to family and friends. So let's put Copilot to work. With a few simple prompts, Copilot understands everything it needs to know to generate a great first draft of the invitation. It's even able to pull in details about the venue from an email I received last week. Okay, I mean, that would be probably pretty helpful, right? Like. You know, you're writing a, an invitation. It's no big deal. It's nothing I have to be super specific about. It will find the details from your other email, pull them in so it knows the time and everything else. It maybe helps you come up with an email list of people that you might want to send the invitation to. That all seems pretty helpful, right? Well, she goes on with this analogy talking about this particular party she's planning. And her, the concept here is that it will help you do almost every aspect of the party planning. Uh, here we go. Talking about um, she wanted to come up with a little slideshow for her daughter. And, and, and uh, Microsoft Copilot 365 GPT squared can help you with that, too. With that done, this is my opportunity to create a loving and let's be honest, a little embarrassing slideshow to celebrate the occasion. I kick things off with Copilot, providing a little information to get started. I add some details about my daughter. I can also change the style so it creates something fun and festive. And Copilot goes to work, finding the right words and searching my OneDrive for the best photos. In seconds, Copilot generates a Beautiful presentation with memories, accomplishments, and advice for the future. I can add my own personal touches to it, and Copilot will be at my side. Ah, so there you go. Now, my wife, at her 40th birthday, uh, unbeknownst to her, I put together a, a slideshow of all the photos and stuff, memories from the past, all these things. Their friends featured and went through. I mean, it took me hours to do that. Hours and hours and hours to find the photos and put the PowerPoint together and try to make it cool. You saw what that was. I mean, it was, you know, 30 seconds of work. You type out what you want. It pulls all the photos. And this is part one of what you need to think of when you're thinking about AI. 
which is, again, we're eight weeks into this. This is a brand new product. If it works that well, which it seems like it does uh, early on, it's only going to improve. You're not going to want to do it the old way. Like, that was so easy. Why would you spend hours and hours and hours? At least let it give you a draft and you can tweak it a little bit. But why are you going to spend all that time? It's going to suck you in unless it's an incredibly important personal task. Um, you know, and something like this where you're just collecting some photos for a background, uh, you know, slideshow. Why not have ChatGPT help you out? If it's going to help you with a list of things you need to buy for the party or whatever it is, that stuff's going to be really useful and people are going to want to use it. Now, remember, and I, I, I want to highlight this because this is what they chose. They decided, Microsoft said, hey, let's feature this as one of the main features, something that we can do with ChatGPT. You might say, okay, a list of party supplies, no big deal. I'm glad that you have something to make it easier. An invitation, who cares? Listen to one of the things they're encouraging you to use, uh, this Microsoft Copilot 365, to help you do. I'm thinking about what I want to say to my daughter on her big day. Copilot can get me started on a speech. I'm not sure how long I want it to be, but let's start with three minutes. I know I want to tell her how proud I am, acknowledge how hard she's worked, how inspired I am by her volunteer efforts, and what a wonderful leader she is. Here's a great first draft. Now, here's an important thing about Copilot. At this point, I decide whether to keep this draft, modify it, or discard it completely. This is a big change in how people interact with software. Okay, so this looks pretty good, but let's add some of the funny stories I collected from friends and family. Let's give it a minute. I can make these stories more playful and add more, but I actually want to make them a bit shorter. Let's get to the punchline, right? They're much better. She's trying to write a speech about how wonderful her daughter is at her graduation, and she had AI do it. This is what they're recommending you do. And think about this. Oh, I had a bunch of people send me stories. Well, mine those emails for the stories. Just insert them in here. Make them a little funnier. Make them a little shorter. Is there any authentic human left in this thing? You're sitting here, you know, you're writing a graduation speech for your own daughter. And you're just handing that task off to some AI? Does that make anyone feel comfortable at all? I, I don't know. Does that freak you out? Isn't that weird? And the problem is this stuff is being implemented into all the software that you're already using. You know, you get the update software. You need to do an update on Microsoft Word. It's going to be in one of these updates. You're just going to have it. And like, yes, you cannot use it, of course. A couple of things I always think of when, when people say that to me, though, is number one, stop thinking of yourself for a moment. You probably are smart. You probably care about stuff. Does everyone in your life care about stuff? Does everyone in your life smart? What about the dumb people in your life? How are they going to use this stuff? This is all coming, right? Let me show you how fast this is coming because this is what's hard for people to take in. This stuff is coming so freaking fast. Let me show you a graphic that was uh, somebody tweeted earlier today, and I thought it was fascinating. These are five pictures from Midjourney. Midjourney is one of the 
photo uh, AIs. So you can type in, hey, old lady around some flowers at a cafe uh, with sunglasses on or glasses on, uh, draw that picture. And so you see from the top to the bottom, there's five versions of Mid Journey that have been released. And you see the top one where it like looks a little weird and off and a little cartoony, a little more clear in the second version, a little uh, clearer and better on the third. The fourth one looks pretty much like a photo. And the fifth one looks 100% like a photo. I mean, it just looks like absolutely authentic. And you might look at that and say, okay, I can see some progression here. That's, that's fine. It's getting better. But then look on the other side of this. The dates of release. Version 1 was March 14th, 2022. Version 2, April 2022. Version 3, July 2022. Version 4, November 2022. And version 5, March 16th, 2023. All of that improvement from nothing to basically creating a photo all happened within a year. This is coming faster than we can even imagine. It's coming from uh, companies and countries with almost unlimited resources. Google, Bard has a new, uh, that's their AI. Uh, Google Bard AI hands-on says, uh, and Gadget, a work in progress with plenty of caveats. At every turn, the company reminds us that Bard may spout misinformation. And right, like, but we're still at the beginning of this. I mean, Google's resources are here. OpenAI is going after this. All these countries are going after this. And it's interesting because the, the impact on society was one of those things I think we've all talked about. Glenn has railed on about AI and the coming, this coming revolution for a very long time. And one of the things we always talked about was stuff like, uh, well, um, the trucking industry, right? Like if you have self-driving cars, do, does that industry, is anybody uh, you know, having uh, to drive trucks anymore? How long will that happen? And there's a lot of physical jobs like that that could be automated or um, you know, taken over largely by, by AI. But really, what, where it's going to come first, it looks like, and this is surprising to me at some level, is it's coming after the white-collar jobs. It's coming after the creative jobs. I mean, that was one of the things that I think people set back and said, wait a minute, well, you're never going to be able to recreate how a human uh, speaks. You're never going to be able to replace a, an individual's take on something. Well, they're kind of doing it for a lot of people. A lot of people have really crappy takes, so it's easy. But still... We're losing that right now. And those jobs are going to go away very quickly. Uh, there's a uh, very interesting blog on this. Uh, ChatGPT and generative AI are going to have a, a big impact on jobs. And let me give you one of the studies they cite in here. Um, our findings indicate that approximately 80% of the U.S. workforce could be affected. And when I say affected, have about 10% or more of your job go away or be automated through AI. 80% of the workforce. Now, 10% of your job might not seem like a huge deal. That might be like the really good side of this, right? Where 10% of your job that's annoying is knocked out from AI. They also say about 19% of workers could see at least half of their jobs impacted. Um, And that is only based on what's going on right now. If this technology gets better, which as we just showed you, it is leaps and bounds, then even more could be affected. And that doesn't even think about like, what are the outlying possibilities here, right? Like, for example, uh, you know, when China releases theirs, they're not going to have all these nice guardrails that we might have here in America. Um, what are they going to do with AI? Um, think about what it does, you know, to porn. I mean, we have a bunch of people who are super duper lonely that can't really talk to real people. But they start talking to uh, AI bots. They start falling in love with AI bots, which is totally going to happen if it hasn't already. 
We even told you about an example where an AI bot was trying to break up a marriage. That's going to work on some people. Someone who's designed this with negative intent can do all sorts of things, can manipulate all sorts of people. Again, remember the dumb people you know. Will they be, will they be won over by, I don't know, um, think of like a Nigerian prince email. People get fooled by those. Imagine AI that actually can respond coherently, that can research the person they're talking to and see where, how their buttons are pressed. You know, like th- this is going to be very devious and used for a lot of those uh, reasons. And of course, the Terminator reminded us of all sorts of things that are bad that could happen from this sort of stuff. I don't know if lasers are going to be flying at you. I don't know if people are going to get, you know, take shotgun shells to their face and then reform around. I don't know if that's around the corner. I don't think that's the main worry, though. And if you want to be creeped out by AI, Bill Gates has written a blog about it. It's called The Age of AI Has Begun. Bill Bill likes to be creepy. I think he's pressing the creepy buttons. He's trolling us on the creepiness at this point. Let me tell you some of his warnings. Super intelligent AIs are in our future. Compared to a computer, our brains operate at a snail's pace. An electrical signal in the brain moves at one one hundred thousandth of the speed in the signal of a silicon chip. Once developers can generalize a learning algorithm and run it at the speed of a computer, an accomplishment that could be a decade away or a century away, we will have an incredibly powerful AGI. That means artificial general intelligence. Uh, It's a little bit different than what we're dealing with here. It will be able to do everything that a human brain can, but without any of the practical limits on the size of the memory or the speed at which it operates. This will be a profound change. These strong AIs, as they're known, will probably be able to establish their own goals. They will be able to establish their own goals. What will these goals be? What happens if they conflict with humanity's interests? Yeah, what does happen? Should we try to prevent strong AI from ever being developed? These questions will get more pressing uh, through time. Great, thank you for that. Uh, Yeah, what if they just think like, you know, maybe the Earth's resources are not best served by having humans here at all. How are they going to do that? What about when someone puts a, and this is going to happen, someone's going to put a negative intent behind one of these things. They're going to manipulate people out of money. They're going to try to hack bank accounts. They're going to do all sorts of different things. Gates goes on, market forces won't, and this, is, this should keep you, if you're worried about where this might go, this is great from the liberal perspective. Market forces won't naturally produce AI products and services that will help the poorest. The opposite is more likely. With reliable funding, read trillions of dollars, and the right policies, governments and philanthropy can ensure that AIs are used to reduce inequity. If that doesn't screw with your head and warn you about what might be coming from the government with this stuff, I don't know what will. Bill Gates telling you, well, we just need to use these things to solve inequity. Do we, Bill? Let's see. Um, We're now even seeing in the radio industry, this is, of course, important to me, this is where I came up, well, there's deleting DJs now and installing AI. There's a new thing called ChatGPT. Excuse me. Uh, it's called uh, DJ GPT, and it basically Radio GPT, and it basically goes through and creates a fake voice. The fake voice can easily talk about the weather and hit the post every single time, no problem. You talk up the ramp of that song, and you give the call letters, and you maybe inter- interact with a caller or two. All this can be done without having to pay that person a few thousand dollars to even voice track it in in these smaller markets. We are going to get into a weird period where a lot of the jobs that you are used to having are just going to go away. 
Uh, New York, let me sum it up here with the New York Times. GPT-4, this is the new thing from OpenAI, is exciting and scary. And let me just read you this verbatim. This is the end of the article by uh, Kevin Roos in the Times. These ideas play on old Hollywood-inspired narratives about what rogue AI might do to humans, talking about the horror stories. But they're not science fiction. They're things that today's best AI systems are already capable of doing. And crucially, they're the good kinds of AI risks, the one we can test, plan for, and try to prevent ahead of time. The worst AI risks are the ones we can't anticipate. And the more time I spend with AI systems like GPT-4, the less I'm convinced that we know half of what's coming. This is the lead technological, technology reporter at the New York Times, not some conservative scaremonger. This is what the people in the industry are saying about this. So if you think we're screwed, we totally are. Ah, yes, for the first time ever, our friends over at GenuCell are including both the Ultra Retinol and Dark Spot Corrector in their most popular package at GenuCell.com slash stew. Now, right now, you can save over 70% off GenuCell's most popular package in time for the warm spring weather. you got to get everything ready, ready to go. You know, maybe this is the time to look your best, get your skin back to where it should be. You can uh, go with GenuCell's Ultra Retinol that uh, contains a powerful retinol alternative, safe to use on your skin in the summer. And, of course, GenuCell's Dark Spot Corrector to reduce the appearance of dark marks and sunspots from long days outside. You go on vacation, you get some of those dark spots going. Want to get them knocked out? You can do it with GenuCell. You'll still receive GenuCell's world-class under-eye bag treatment for those annoying under-eye bags and puffiness. This is the best in skincare. And with its immediate effects, you can see results in as little as 12 hours guaranteed or your money back. Don't wait. Go to GenuCell.com slash stew. Save over 70% off their most popular package. Plus, every order subscription includes a luxury gift box with two free springtime essentials. You don't want to miss out on that. It's a great gift as well. Two free gifts plus free concierge shipping for a limited time. Go to GenuCell.com slash stew. G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com slash stew. I'm joined once again by Jason Buttrell. He's the head writer and researcher for Glenn Beck. Yes, Glenn Beck. Jason, how's it going? It's going good, thanks. Uh, big show tonight. I want to I yeah. start kind of with the, the foundation here and set the conversation there because we have this potential Trump indictment as, of we're, as we're taping right now. Still hasn't come down, but could at any moment. Um, there's a lot to this. Let's start, though, with the case itself. Does, does Is there a case that there was a crime committed here? I think there was a case that there's some maybe some slimy behavior uh, uh, yeah. around the, 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 the whole porn star situation. What, what, uh, what is there legally, though? Nothing. And everyone <laughs> okay. knows that. Yeah, yeah. Everyone on, on all left. sides. Yeah, yeah. Even on the left. I mean, this is a case. I mean, this goes back to 2018. And uh, they were literally throwing things against the wall to see something would stick. They were going after Trump finances, looking to his company, all this stuff. And they were like, well, screw it. Let's go back to this uh, Stormy Daniels thing. Um, they know that there's no case there. The only, I mean, their star witness is Michael Cohen, who has already lied to Congress six times. They know this. He's been to prison for it. I mean, yeah. there's... So much exculpatory information in Michael Cohen's original testimonies on this. For one, he said he did this all on his own. 
for two, they, he said he did it for Melania. It was always for Melania. It was not to benefit um, Trump's uh, election, but it was so Melania wouldn't uh, would uh, about the affair. exactly and believe it or not, you know. But I, I mean, l- let's be honest about it. <laughs> right, 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 right. Okay, Michael Cohen is a liar today. Yeah. He was also a liar back then. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Obviously, one of the reasons why they did this was to protect him in the campaign, and there's not anything illegal about that. Actually, I mean, you can do that. I, you know, you could judge your candidate as to whether that's something you want out of a president, right? Like right. that's that's a conversation people can have. But there's nothing illegal with paying someone to shut up about a story of your personal life, right? And uh, I guess what they originally were like going to try to get him on was, you know, what was it a uh, misrepresenting financial yeah. documents mm-hmm. um, and listing them as, and this is kind of funny, listing them as legal. Legal fees. Right. So that's a direct quote from the original case. And, and to just to, to, to draw this together, it was, he, you know, Cohen wrote a check for $130,000 to Stormy Daniels, and then Trump paid him back over the course of a year, and he said that was for legal fees. Legal fees. And they're saying that's not true. That's what they're trying to get him on, which maybe, you know, in 2019, you'd have maybe a case, but it's past the statute of limitations two anyway years. by two years. Yeah. We did see this happen to Hillary Clinton, though, where she did exactly, the same thing, right? Exactly the same thing to Hillary Clinton. And again, th- that, that word legal fees is the same lingo that they use for that as well. And they didn't do this dramatic thing where they were like, oh, we're arresting her tomorrow and we'll figure out how to safely get her in here and get her mugshot. No. How they always handle these cases, she paid a fine. It's like a hundred grand or something like that. That's it. That shows you how bi- how much of a political fiasco this is. It's all theater, and really, I think they just want to get his mugshot. I, I really do. I- they know the case is going to go away. It's going to get defeated, but they want that mugshot, and they'll use that on everything. This cup will probably there'll be millions of those with his mugshot on it. (laughs) Although I will say, you know, um, I would not be surprised if Donald Trump sells them. I mean, you know, all the reporting is, again, it depends on how much you believe here, but it's consistent with who Trump is. And I think his attitude here on being defiant in that, like, he's actually wants the perp walk. He wants the mugshot. Mm -hmm. He wants to say they are targeting me like this and I'm going to own that because I didn't do anything wrong and I'm a victim here. That is something that he, he wouldn't he be wrong. Is beneficial, and the polling seems to back it up. Yeah, uh, yeah, agreed. And I, I don't think he would be wrong with pointing out that I am the victim yeah. here. No, He's been constantly attacked with all this frivolous crap um, over the past what six, seven years now. Um, it, it's unprecedented what, what, what they've done to him. And I, I think that his base, and even other members within the Republican Party that aren't considered traditionally his base. Like, like I'm not, I don't consider myself his base. I voted for him in the last election. But right now, I think I'm like a lot of other people. I'm just, I just don't like bullies. Yeah, and right. I'm pissed off that they're doing it to him. And it makes me sympathize for him and want to vote for him again, even though I think that Ron DeSantis is a better candidate personally. Um, but it makes me want to. So I think in the primary, this absolutely helps him. Absolutely helps him. In the general... Not so much. Yeah. I mean, the reason he lost so big last time is because all these independents uh, switched over. They, they could not handle all the scandals, his attitude, things like that, the way he would talk. They couldn't handle so they switched over. Name me one of those independents that's going to switch over because of this case. No, it's, it's the same issue. They're going to have the same issue. I think there's, and there's this thing that's, you know, tempting about um, the 2020 election to look at it and say, you know, there, there's a lot of talk about this, right? The, the election fraud and all that stuff. And one of the big things that people brought up was like, oh, well, in Philadelphia, that's where they stole all these votes. 
But when you look at the actual returns, what you see is he lost the entire state based on three counties, suburban counties around Philadelphia. I used to live in, in Montgomery County and, uh, and uh, Bucks County, and those are two of them. And like those voters who are generally speaking suburban families who, you know, aren't, you know, they're not in the day to day battles of politics. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Is this maybe it will help? I, I, but I don't think it will. And I think long term, you know, the, the Democrats want this. They they want to face him because they believe they, right or wrong, believe they have the playbook to beat him. I agree. Yeah. And th- and those those voters that you just described, they're the ones that swing elections. They're the ones that sit in the middle that can really go either way. Um, they're not the diehards, mm-hmm. and they're not the ones that are going to jump in and save Trump in this election. They're just not. They're, they're gonna feel exactly the same way they felt during the last election. Let's go to the Democrats' motivation here too, because mm. it's, you go into this tonight, it's not, a, it's not just about the election. It's about pushing other things to the back of the headlines. So, so many, I get the, the, the word that keeps popping in my head is coincidences. There were so many coincidences last week. That was, I kept, I kept thinking like, and I had that weird voice in my head, like, well, that's a coincidence, you know? And then, and then something else happens like, dang, that's another coincidence. It just kept happening. But right after the House Oversight Committee came out with their, um, so the House Oversight Committee last week, they released a memorandum that talked about, uh, that showed all these subpoenaed bank uh, transfers uh, that were going to Hunter Biden connected companies, James Biden, uh, Joe's uh, brother, Hallie Biden, and all these other, uh, a few other people that are associates with uh, the Bidens. Uh, they were getting money from a CCP linked, it says an energy company, but to me it looks like a shell company. Um, and the, all these payments started coming in at random, it seemed like, in incremental payments a couple of months after Biden left office. Now, Hunter Biden's people, you know, released a statement and said, okay, this is something Hunter Biden did. So one, which is kind of weird, they admitted that they, yes, they were getting money from this, what looks to be a shell company, um, but it was all legitimate business. Well, if it was so legitimate, why does an apparent shell company send $3 million to a pass-through lawyer who then sends half the money one way and then over a period of a few months a couple of months after Joe's not in office anymore, starts shelling out different payments mm. in incremental payment. Like, like if I'm like trying, personally, like I'm just, follow me through here. Mm. If I'm trying to conceal, I don't know, let's say a pay for play, you know, operation, this is how I do it. And that's what it looks like to me. One of the payments included uh, um, just uh, uh, one payment to a quote Biden. Like, no Halle Biden, no, it just said Biden. Yeah, any Biden. What? Find a Biden. So when you look into this closer, you you see that the shell company is connected to that CEFC Chinese energy company that now is kaput. It's it's no longer around because they were corrupt. Um, But that was the first time through the Hunter Biden laptop with that deal that we heard about 10 for the big guy. Now, that's how deep and how spiraling this is starting to get. There's so many connections going back through the, the, the laptop where we're starting to see that maybe Biden in some way was benefiting from this. And that's where I'm curious where this is going. But the coincidences last week started popping up. So no one's talking about that right now. First thing that happened was Hunter Biden filed paperwork suing the computer repair shop person. I was like, OK, that's very interesting. They did that right after this, uh, this thing came out. Then, a day after that, we had these unnamed sources that were saying that Trump was going to be arrested. That became the big story. 
So there was all these distractions. I think personally, I think an indictment's coming down from Hunter Biden. I think it's I think it's coming uh, rather soon. And I also think that there's more connections that will be made that make maybe not it might not be overt and say, yeah, Joe Biden was getting some of this money. But I think it's going to make it look very, very bad. And politically, it's not going to look great for him at all. Mm, it's going to be fascinating to watch this because I do think there's something there. I think an indictment is probable, even with this mm. Department of Justice. Like, I just feel like it. There's so much there in Hunter Biden, you know, I mean, and so and they have, they have so much material on the guy. It'll be interesting to see if it filters up, because I think also uh, his brother is a, is a focus of this that doesn't get talked about enough. Yeah. You know, he's he's because he's not it's not the sexy story of Hunter Biden. Not, the, not that those pictures are sexy, but like, <laughs> you know, the, there's not a lot of prostitutes and, and, you know, drugs and stuff in that and that it's just boring questionable business practices. And yeah. I think that's going to be a focus of this too. Before you go, though, I want, I want, I want to uh, hop over to, to uh, Russia and China. Mm. We have President uh, Putin and Xi uh, getting together, um, making a big statement, a proclamation of friendship. Um, this feels like a real change in global alignment. Am I overblowing it? No, um, I'm not one of the ones that have put too much stock on Chinese and Russian friendship because they have too many competing interests. Um, I think at, at some point, and, th and, th and those always come out through history, right? Um, they should have been natural friends during the era of the Soviet Union. Right. But th it was very easy to, easy to exploit their differences, and that's what we did. Um, but I will say that that has always been a worry. So two nations like that coming together and partnering does make things a lot more complicated for us on the world stage. So I say that as a preface that I think that this is definitely something to watch because if you look at how, you know, the BRICS nations uh, have, come, have come together, um, that's, uh, you know, Brazil, Russia, China, India, uh, uh, South Africa, um, which is a weird, very weird pairing of nations. But um, the, the way that they have been working together, it looks like they're trying to build a like a parallel economy outside of the dollar dominated economy. Um, that would go through a Chinese currency. They would use that as their reserve currency. They're also trying to um, get rid of the, or have their own version of the SWIFT system so that they can do international payments just through them mm -hmm. and anybody else that wants to come on board with them. Um, if China continues to rise economically and at a faster rate than we, than we are at, um, and they're over, able to overtake us, well, then they'll start using that system. I think that's the fear. So them formally saying, yes, we are friends, we're, this, we're not gonna let anything split us up. Um, I think those are mainly just words, and I think that's pretty much just a worthless piece of paper that mm -hmm. they signed their signatures on, because I think that can be, their differences can be exploited and be broken up fairly easily. But I think, so you, it makes you wonder, then why did she go over there and do it? Well, I think that seeing Russia and the United States locked into a, uh, you know, a, a very long proxy war is very, very good for China. Um, the funny thing, and that's how weird geopolitics play out, is Putin knows this as well. Um, he knows that he, what, what, what didn't happen is uh, Xi Jinping didn't come out and say, we fully support this war in Ukraine, you guys are mm -hmm. doing great slaughtering all these people, right. um, we're going to start giving you weapons today. He didn't say that. No. Why didn't he say that? You, I, you better bet that Putin was probably saying that behind closed doors. Look, wanted. right. Say it. Mm -hmm. Give us the weapons, be vocal about it, and say you support this. They didn't do that. So I think that's very, very telling. Mm. But I think it's completely in China's interest to support it behind the scenes um, with however ways they, they'll do that. And then kind of, you know, in, through their own manipulation, 
keep this going on as long as possible. It depletes the entire, all, their, all of China's enemies, all of NATO, like it, it depletes us for munitions, it screws with our economy, um, and at the same time, it keeps Russia in check. So it's perfect for China. They're, they're gonna love this. Um, that's kind of a complicated way of saying that, you know, it's something to watch for. Um, I think specifically the economic relationship going forward. But China and Russia, they're not best pals. Right. And that it's can be just a common enemy, essentially. Exactly, yeah. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to continue to watch that as well. Jason Buttrell, the show tonight is, uh, is a really good one about Hunter Biden and the Trump indictment and how that all kind of ties together. He's, of course, the head writer and researcher for Glenn Beck, and the Glenn Beck program is on right after this show. If you're watching on Blaze TV, if you're not watching on Blaze TV, I mean, I don't want to guilt you into anything. But you should definitely subscribe, blazetv.com slash stew. The promo code is stew. Jason, thanks for coming on. Not one, but two chalkboards. Ooh, there we go. Tonight, <laughs> get ready, everybody. So new polling is out uh, between Trump and DeSantis in the um, primary in, uh, in the Republican Party. Um, now, of course, DeSantis isn't actually in the primary. Trump is in the primary. A couple of other candidates are in the primary, but they're not really re- reflected here all that much in this particular polling. And what's interesting in this, if we can kind of reset where we are with this, it's something that we've talked about many, many times on this show, that Donald Trump is the overwhelming favorite to be the Republican nominee. Like, it, it, he, only Donald Trump can mess this up. Like, And I don't mean that like, oh, Donald Trump always messes things up. I mean, like, it's his to lose. Like, it would be hard for another candidate to overcome a past sitting president, a person who controls the news cycle completely, who comes in with a massive amount of voters who are totally on his uh, side and like hardcore Trump fans. To overcome that is basically impossible. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying DeSantis has no chance here, but like he, we should not enter this in as like, okay, it's a 50-50. Who's going to get this? It's more like 80-20 or 90-10. It's, it's, I think, a heavy, heavy, heavy favorite for Donald Trump. Now, there have been times polling has showed this race being pretty close. I've always been pretty skeptical of polling like that. It seems to more take into account uh, you know, maybe a couple of news cycles. You know, of course, DeSantis had a really good day on Election Day. Donald Trump and the candidates he worked with did not do that well. So I think a lot of that was reflected in the earlier polling. New polling, though, is showing uh, DeSantis uh, significantly behind. DeSantis is uh, at 28 percent in a new poll. Donald Trump at 54 percent. Third place is Pence with seven. Uh, Nikki Haley, who's actually in the race, has four percent. You get people like Liz Cheney who show up as well, but not particularly well. Um, also, some other polling today had you know Haley down, I think, 70 to 18 to Donald Trump in a head-to-head, and DeSantis down by you know more like 20 or 30 points to Donald Trump. That doesn't mean that's how it's going to turn out. We got you know almost a year left before these votes are going to be even begin to be cast. We don't have, a, have had any debates yet. Who knows what's going to happen with indictments and all the other things? But like. Donald Trump is in this race, and he is the overwhelming favorite to win it. That is how you should look at this as we go forward. Um, So just to kind of reset that again, that's where we are. Again, DeSantis has a chance. It's just a very uphill road. Also want to tell you about the new flag in Utah. They got a new flag. Uh, Governor Cox has signed the bill. And the reason I bring this up is it's, it's a very strange change. Let me give you the old flag first. This is 
the flag of Utah. I mean, it looks like a state flag, right? There's an eagle on it. I never really noticed there's a bee, beehive on it as well. Uh, got a couple dates. It's got the flag. That's sort of what you think of when you think of a state flag. The new flag looks like, I don't know, the logo of an expansion hockey team. Like, I, I don't know. It got, that's, how, that's what I see when I look at it. It's got a beehive on there. It looks like something maybe ChatGPT came up with or one of these uh, image AI services. We're just like, ah, give me a bunch of logos for a team. And uh, it's got some mountains. It's got the beehive again. And I guess you're going to have to learn that. Uh, that's Utah. It's happening. So get used to it, Utah. You've got a, a very um, expansion team-oriented new flag. Congratulations. Ah, yes, you're out in Utah, and you look up at that beautiful flagpole, and you say, did we get an expansion hockey team? No, no, that's just the new state flag. But under that state flag is a building, and that building holds some very patriotic people, people who love this country, people who want to source their products right here in America, people who actually care about you and this nation. We're talking about GRIP6. They're a company in Utah under that incredible new flag that have, uh, you know, all sorts of, uh, you know, customers all over the world, but they build their stuff here in America. They make their stuff here in America. They source their stuff here in America. They've got great belts that are minimalist. They're not jetting out of your shirt. They're also customizable. Very, very cool. You can make it uh, personal, uh, even all sorts of stuff on the belt buckle and everything. They're available in carbon fiber, so you don't set off the metal detectors at the airport, which is very cool. And uh, they also have great socks and wallets. This is your chance to check out GRIP6, grip6.com slash stew. Use the code stew. You'll save 15%. It's grip, the number six, dot com slash stew. Get 15% off today. A deadly fungus is spreading all over the place, exponentially spreading. And you know what that means, of course. Whatever you do, do not wear a mask. They're not needed. Our healthcare officials are the ones that need them. Wait, uh, hold on. Actually, you must wear masks in all situations, even when you're outdoors and you're a child. Just remember that. And by the way, uh, whatever you do, don't get this vaccine. This vaccine is super, super dangerous for you. Also, I will say, wait, a Democrat got elected. Okay, now absolutely you must take the vaccine. It's your moral responsibility to take it. Actually, none of that's going on, though that is a weird series of events that happened back in the day. This is a, um, it's weird because they're like worried the spread of this fungus is going everywhere. It's killing 60% of the people who get it. It's exponential growth. And then when you really read it, it says it grew from 3,270 cases to 7,413, which normally you think, okay, it's not that many people, but we remember the COVID thing that grew pretty fast, right? Then you read it and it's like, that's a change from 2016 to 2021. Like, I, like if this is going to kill a bunch of people, shouldn't we have an update from the past two years? I, I, don't, I don't understand. So I don't know that I would worry about this. But whatever you do, wear your mask again. Okay, so here's what happened. Three Greenville County deputies were doing some training and they were training with guns that had blanks in them. And they went through and they did all their training with the guns with the blanks in them. And they then came back and decided they were thought it would be funny to shoot at each other with the guns with blanks. Now, 
I would argue right off the bat, you should have the Alec Baldwin principle in effect here at all times when handling a firearm. Assume there's a real bullet in there, even if you think it's a blank. But the first officer shot at the other one with his blank, and of course nothing happened because that's totally fine. The problem is, in a moment of excitement, the other officer fired back. And he forgot that he had already switched his weapon from the one with the blanks to the one with the real bullets. So he shot his friend. And he shot him, luckily, only in the foot. And I will say, part of me thinks, you know, this is the type of dumb thing I would do. But that's why I shouldn't be a police officer. Yeah, they're suspended. I kind of think that maybe this is a lesson we sh- probably shouldn't put them out on patrol. Although I think we do have some security cam footage of this incident. Hey, Mac, you still have that Halloween costume? Oh, hell yeah, you don't throw out. (laughs) (laughs) Damn, that's good! Uh, God bless us.